And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Transfer Briefing from The Athletic. It's Tuesday, the 16th of January, and I'm Michael Bailey. Here's what we've got for you today. Nottingham Forest and Everton react to breaching Premier League sustainability rules. They're pretty angry. Their statement was that anger came across. Could Chelsea really tempt Karim Benzema to the Premier League? There clearly being a bit of an issue going on right now. Suggestions that he's not turning up for training camps. There were winning starts for Son and Mane as they bid for international glory. And some familiar names walking away as FIFA's best. This is the Daily Transfer Briefing with Michael Bailey. Let's start with the big news that could significantly impact the final Premier League table. On Monday, it was confirmed both Everton and Nottingham Forest have been charged with breaching profitability and sustainability rules last season. For Everton, it's their second breach. Their first has already earned them a 10-point deduction. That was for the previous year. And of course, there's still more than 100 charges against Manchester City to be dealt with. Our football finance guru, Matt Slater, joins us now. Matt, how have Forrest and Everton reacted to these latest charges? I would say a measured response from Forrest. I think they saw this coming a mile away. And um, they're, they're going to go big on mitigation, right? So they're going to sort of say, oh, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're over. But you know, this really boils down to how you treat the sale of Brennan Johnson. Now, you can sort of look at that and go, well, that's good business, isn't it? Aren't we trying to encourage that? You know, if this is all about sustainable football clubs, should we not just you know, uh, be like, brilliant, well done, everybody, let's move on. But unfortunately, you know, the rules have got to be the same, they've got to apply to everybody, and there do have to be some deadlines, otherwise it becomes all a bit meaningless. And they, they missed the deadline, so they didn't they didn't book that profit in time. So anyway, that will be their mitigation, which will have that row when we have it. Everson, on the other hand, they have been here before, and of course they are still appealing against their first breach and their first punishment, the 10 points. So they're, they're pretty angry, and their um, their statement was was, um, yeah, you know, you, that anger came across. And, and privately, I think they're even angrier. You know, here we are again. We've, it's double jeopardy. Um, you know, we're still appealing against the first one. We've now got to face two, face two complaints at once. This, If we win the appeal, this could all go away. And here we are, we've upset everybody. We've got all our friends worried. And then, and then, and then look, it all pours out from them privately. Um, this is all about our stadium. This isn't about, you know, a sporting advantage. We haven't overspent on players, on, you know, on like Forest. You know, what are you trying to do to us? If the thresholds have gone up in line with inflation, we wouldn't even be having this argument anyway. Oh, and the rules are changing in August. So Everton are angry about everything. Which leads to the big question of what happens now. But also, how is this going to play out come the end of the season? Just like the the last time round with Everton, it all goes to an independent panel. Uh, three people will look at this, and Everton and Forrest will have their day in uh, an arbitration room. Unlike the last time, and this again is part of Everton's beef, is that the Premier League is trying to do it all in season, so they don't want to have that hanging over. Right, so 
you know, points being deducted and affecting the wrong season. No, the, the breach is now. We want it done this season. So there is a there is a timetable, a much quicker timetable. We're going to get we're going to get results. We're going to get you know the sanctions, be they fines or points, whatever, happening this season. So though, so there's just a much quicker pace to this, which could have serious implications to the table, of course, uh, which probably then means. We need to get onto those Manchester City charges as well because they're becoming the elephant in the room, really. Surely if recent breaches by clubs are being fast-tracked, those historic charges have to be dealt with soon, right? Yeah, everyone wants to wants that to happen, right? Everyone wants to, you know, make that leap. Unfortunately, everybody, you're wrong. And, I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've sort of been saying this so many times and apples and pears comparison, right? You've got the Nottingham Forest-Everton situation. It is counting up stuff, and it is making a submission, and you're over or under, and then you make your argument about why you're over and under, and you know should should you know we get credit for that, or was that an aggregating factor? The Manchester City case is completely different. I mean, first of all, there's the number of charges, 115, but that's not even really why it's different. The nature of the charges, the accusation is you have lied, you have willfully chied, uh, lied, and cheated, and cynically done so, and there's a conspiracy to do so as well involving, you know, state actors back in the UAE, uh, associated party companies. So this is big. And when you make a big accusation, you need big proof and you're going to have a huge argument. And there's massive political implications for this as well, because, of course, you know, Manchester City are owned by Sheikh Mansour, who is, I can't remember what his title is now, but he's Deputy Prime Minister of Abu Dhabi and he's a member of the, you know, Abu Dhabi royal family. So, look, it's a hugely different That's fine, Matt, and I'm sure this won't be the last time we speak to you about it. The Athletic has brilliant explainers on the website and app detailing the charges against Everton and Forest, why action against Man City is taking much longer, and how profit and sustainability rules are impacting the January window. Go check those out. You're listening to The Daily Transfer Briefing with Michael Bailey. We're into day 16 of the January transfer window. The astute among you will have twigged. That is the halfway point. So where are we at? Well, Manchester United midfielder Hannibal Mejbri has completed his loan move to Sevilla for the rest of the season. Sevilla have an option to make the move permanent in the summer for 20 million euros, which is just over 17 million pounds or just under 22 million dollars. It's been revealed Ian Matson has a £35 million release clause in his new Chelsea contract that can be triggered from this summer. The 21-year-old left-back is contracted to Chelsea until 2026 and on Friday he joined Borussia Dortmund on loan for the rest of the season. Matson was a Chelsea exit of sorts but it wouldn't be a transfer window without Chelsea being linked with new signings too. And there's already been speculation over their search for a new number nine. So let's bring in our own transfer chief David Ornstein. David what should we expect from Chelsea this month? Look, I think it's clear that Chelsea are, are struggling in the goal scoring department and have been for a while now. On the agenda for either the January transfer window or next summer is a new attacker, goal scorer, striker, versatile forward. They don't know exactly what it will be yet because they haven't decided uh, who they're going to go for and whether that person's available. Often a lot of factors need to come together to make this materialise, the the finances as well. And and no doubt Chelsea have got a a list uh, of 
considerable number of names. Right now, I'm, I'm not aware that that's going to be January. Um, uh, there was a suggestion at one point, perhaps they could agree a deal for somebody in, in January and they might come in the summer. Uh, people started saying immediately, Osman, that's not going to happen. They're not going to agree a deal for somebody of his stature and price in January and then and bring him in, in in the summer. Ivan Tony, I've spoken about in the past. As far as I know, he's he's not quite the right sort of profile Chelsea have been looking for. So maybe they go for something uh, a little bit less recognised um, or a little bit less high profile. Who, who knows? They'll be surveying all of these possibilities. There has been some speculation that this month that, you know, maybe the likes of Karim Benzema or Firmino would, would come out of Saudi Arabia and, and maybe be a possible temporary or... or loan option but it doesn't sound like that's really viable either from the Chelsea end or indeed the Saudi Arabian end. Karim Benzema to my understanding is going to be staying in the Saudi Pro League that's the intention of the competition and presume that extends to his club Al Ittihad despite their clearly being a bit of an issue going on right now and suggestions that he's not turning up for training camps etc um i'm told that he will be reintegrated into training the meetings will be taking place i think there are some planned in dubai maybe for later this week and and they'll try and smooth that situation over roberto firmino well his case is different because you know he went as a free agent from liverpool to al-ahli and he scored on his debut but then things have unraveled quite spectacularly. He's lost his place in the team. Game time is in short supply. The coach there is favouring a a Saudi player who's banging in the goals. And Roberto Firmino doesn't seem to fit into the style of play that they're trying to implement. Perhaps if all parties agree he needs to get back playing regular football in the second half of the season somewhere, uh, then maybe a a temporary switch materialises. There's reported interest from England, from other European countries. As things stand, not aware of concrete interest, but yeah, that one is a little bit more plausible, whereas the Benzema one I don't think is, and um, we won't even get into the Jordan Henderson one tonight. We'll leave that one for another day, definitely. I did just want to bring it back to Chelsea. They, I mean, they still have Romelu Lukaku on their books. He's on loan at Roma. They spent €35 million Euros on Nicholas Jackson just in the summer. It doesn't speak volumes necessarily of, of the way they've spent their money trying to recruit in, in that sort of number nine role. Yeah, well, these are different periods. The Lukaku re-signing was conducted by the previous regime. I don't see him having a future at Stamford Bridge. Nicholas Jackson, the other end of the scale in that he seemed a good value for money option from Villarreal. He hadn't played a great deal in the number nine role. And so it was a new experience for him, largely cutting your teeth in that sort of position in the Premier League is even harder. He does seem perhaps a little bit more effective in a wide position, which he has played um, to a greater extent in his career. And so I think he needs time. Then, you know, Nkunku, we've not really been able to judge fairly. But the big one and a massive test for the co-sporting directors, Lawrence Stewart and Paul Winstanley, the ownership, Bowley, Clear Lake Consortium uh, and recruitment staff at the club is who this next one will be and whether it will be the right signing. They don't want to be going for just another okay forward. I think a bit of the benefit of doubt is due on on what they might do now. There is nuance in what they've done until now, but they do need to get it right. There are two big international tournaments just finding their rhythm. Here are the headlines from yesterday. 
Let's start with the Asia Cup, where South Korea, captained by Tottenham's Son Heung-min, began their Group E campaign with a 3-1 win over Bahrain. Son was not involved in the goals, but he was booked for diving in added time. Then in the Africa Cup of Nations, holders Senegal, featuring Kalidou Koulibaly, Sadio Mane and Ismail Assar, beat Gambia 3-0. The final goal was a peach from Mets midfielder Lamine Kamara. However, also in Group C, Cameroon had to settle for a 1-1 draw with 10-man Guinea. Manchester United goalkeeper Andre Onana has now joined up with the Cameroon squad, but it was too late for him to be involved in their opening game. As for today's football, the Asia Cup continues, as does AFCON, Africa Cup of Nations, which you can catch on Sky Sports in the UK and BN Sports in the US. In England, there are FA Cup third round replays involving Brentford at Wolves, Luton and US-owned Birmingham, while West Ham's trip to Bristol City is live on BBC One from 7.45pm in the UK. There's also non-league side Eastleigh taking on League 2 Newport County. The winner of that one will have the privilege of hosting Man United in the fourth round. But if you'd rather keep it continental, then Juventus against Sassuolo is live on TNT Sports from 7.45pm, while you'll find Coppa del Rey action on ESPN Plus in the US. And finally, it was a Ballon d'Or repeat last night at FIFA's uniquely named The Best Awards. Aitana Bonmati was named Women's Footballer of the Year after winning the World Cup with Spain and Champions League with Barcelona. While Inter Miami's Lionel Messi won the Men's Award, despite the qualifying period beginning after Argentina's 2022 World Cup win in Qatar. You'll find the full list of winners on The Athletic. And that's all for today's Transfer Briefing. Thanks for listening. I've been Michael Bailey. Abby Patterson and Mike Zimmerman were your producers with Ian McIntosh, your executive producer. Adam Leventhal will be with you tomorrow. In the meantime, have a top Tuesday. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.